Girls Gone Canon watches House of the Dragon. Season 1, Episode 5, We Light the Way. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Welcome to the wedding. We had an open bar, you know. An open bar. <laughs> last night. And also, coincidentally, it was uh, it was your wedding anniversary. One of. Yeah, one, one of. of yeah, one it was of. kind That's of. True. I mean, we didn't actually get married. We just had a reception this day. So it was like the reception anniversary. I mean, Rhaenyra has more than one wedding anniversary, too, if you think about it. Yeah, and truly, poor Rhaenyra. She probably doesn't want to celebrate this one. This was a rough wedding. It was nothing like my Mm. wedding, thankfully. Yeah. Ish. No, it really wasn't anything like your wedding. (laughs) There was dancing, and that's, I think, the only commonality and lots of food. That's about it. And it was more than one day, technically, in some ways, if you think about it. Yeah, we went the full seven days. No, we didn't. (laughs) That would have been awesome. No, we didn't. We would have been so tired, though. I don't think I could do that. (laughs) Well, before we get into this wonderful episode, directed by Claire Kilner and written by Charmaine DeGreat, who I think she did a bunch of episodes for the hundred that I've seen. Oh. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where I might know her from. But before we get into all that, Of course, we must warn you of our spoiler policy, which is all of the works of George R.R. Martin. All of them. They will be spoken about. They will be spoiled. Yes, we will talk about all things from the main five books, if if it seems apt. I mean, we we might already... And Fire and Blood. Yeah, and especially Fire and Blood. We will spoil Fire and Blood. We will spoil what happens in the dance. We will spoil Sons of the Dragon. We will spoil the Princess and the Queen, which is... Basically, more expanded in Fire and Blood, we will talk about Dunkin' Egg. We will not talk about Dunkin' Egg, but we could. We might. That's not true. We might talk but about That's it. true. We could talk about Dunkin' Egg. We We're gonna. Could talk about, we will probably talk about The World of Ice and Fire, and we will... Yeah, and The Rogue Prince. We will talk about The Rogue Prince, maybe, technically. So, everything is fair game. We have not read the leaks. Yeah. Um, and realistically, we can't be trusted is the problem. We just... We can't. You yeah, know, we're bitch ass bitches. We'll also, spoil it on yeah. accident. You can tell because uh, turns out <laughs> we were pretty wrong about the opening of this episode. I was like, oh shit, oh shit, he killed her. But um, we'll get into that in a second. So that's the spoiler policy. Um, but speaking of the main five books, yeah, we are covering weekly outside of our weekly House of the Dragon episodes every Tuesday. We are covering Bran Stark's point of view chapters. We go through a Song of Ice and Fire. Point of view chapter by point of view chapter, and we have landed upon Bran. We're having a great time. We just covered that very trippy Bran's Fall chapter, which mm. was fun. I'm excited to get a little deeper, getting into Clash even. That's that's when Bran's plot starts getting spicier and spicier. Those are your favorites. Yeah, I mean... They actually are her favorites. Yeah, we get a ton of lore. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, we love lore. So yeah, those come out every Friday for the public. Uh, something else that's happening on Fridays is our live Hot D discussions hosted by Maddie. Yeah, our friend Maddie is doing every Friday a great job, actually, first of all. Like, applaud that. Hands of the queen, you know? She is out there holding together, hosting discussions, everybody talking about the mess that are these episodes, which we love. Every Friday, 2 p.m., Eliana time for patrons in the Thunder tier and above and if you join the Thunder tier patron or above over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, you'll get access to our Discord where there are events like this and many other events like brunch, which we just held last weekend, a monthly brunch happy hour. It's a blast. Uh, you also get a 
free physical gift every year. We have some ideas kicking around for this year's. It's getting mm-hmm. messy, getting exciting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not just that, but it's like a Discord life membership where we're not kicking you out. Probably not. We're here for the lulls, you know? I mean, you could, you could fuck up big time. Yeah. I mean, you could be Damon Targaryen. Yeah. And we'd probably let you back in every time. Just walk on <laughs> up to the Chloe, dais. And I'd be like, Chloe, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what is this? Uh, another thing you'll get over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, especially if you are in the stranger tier and above, $5 tier and above is bonus episodes. Every month we talk about something else different, you know? Uh, last month we started a new Patreon episode series called Mothers of the Dragon, or affectionately, Milfs of the Dragon. Yes. This month will be part two. This will be part two. Part one, which we did last month, covered Visenya, Rainies, and not not the Rainies that you're watching in this show. Visenya and the wife of Aegon, Rainies, and also Reyna. I'm like, that really clarifies it. Oh yeah, the wife of Aegon. Yeah. (laughs) Well... I mean, anyway, and so this one, part two, will only be focused on one of the mothers of the dragon, just because, I mean, she was mother to a lot of kids. Yeah, we're going to talk about good Queen Alisanne, the queen, not my cat, who is also a queen named Alisanne. Mm. Uh, We could talk talk about your cat. She might come up a little bit, too. She might. We'll talk about Alisanne and her children as well, some of the the dragons that come from her as well. Um, Unfortunately, this is gonna be what like an 80 part series because there's a lot of mothers to get to and we need fire and blood part two for that yeah i mean honestly we're gonna we're gonna hit a roadblock in this and there is more out there to discuss yeah i don't think we're gonna really do it based on what we have in the world of ice and fire just because i think it would be enriched by having fire and blood volume two but and if you are a patron in that tier, stranger tier, or above, you do have access to the Maiden Vault, at least. We do discuss yeah. the Maiden Vault at length. That's with, one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite eras. Oh, I was going to say one of my favorite Patreon episodes that we did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's so much we had to take from the world of Ice and Fire and, you know, from what very little is in the main series. So it's a favorite of mine. It's a, a passion piece. Yeah. Well, with that... Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 5, We Light the Way. Yeah. And that's the, that's the house words, right? Of House Hightower. Yeah. I actually really like that as a through line, uh, that we pop off, you know, you, you at the front of the episode after a few scenes, we'll get into the goodbye with mm-hmm. Otto Hightower, but... Even though he's very absent in this episode, he is still very much over it. And his words are haunting Alicent. Absolutely. You can see that she is thinking of those words. Yeah. He really he really just puts a lot on her. He's like, this is your fault. And I'm like, no, Otto, I think it's your fault. But let, we'll get there. First, let's talk about different things that, different bad things that men have done in the veil. <laughs> so we meet Rhea Royce in her first, only, and last scene. In House of the Dragon, Rhea turns down her cousin's offer to go riding and actually ends up running into her husband. Yeah, and he is doing, as many have pointed out, he's doing a reenactment of the Dark Kermit meme. Oh my god. I am not the one who made that observation. Um, Some other genius on the internet did, but it's true. It's true. It's been one of my favorite memes. This this (laughs) show show has some great memes right now, but that has been one of my favorites. 
Yeah, he comes in looking... I mean, it's some, like, that's some weird-ass energy. Yeah. Well, House of the Dragon gave us Royces, real Royces, in our face. That was exciting. Uh, Damon spooks the horse, pushes it to fall on Rhea after she taunts him. Damon doesn't say anything, you know, until Rhea kind of prompts him. And she says, I knew you couldn't finish, so he goes back with a rock, which is fitting, because in the book it's reported she dies, cracks her skull on a rock. So this gives a nice little twist to how that rock came. Yeah, it absolutely did. And, you know, uh, we were wrong. Damon does, in fact, do bad things. Uh, Though when I said, oh my god, he really killed her, Chloe's like, I didn't see anything. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see Damon kill Well, also, also, it's kind of funny. I mean, absolutely, it's his fault. I have no idea how he actually pulled this off because I'm like, as my partner like pointed out, he was like, how is he strong? How is he strong enough to push over this horse? Well, it's not even that he pushes it over so much as that like he spooks it. So apparently he speaks to horses or maybe like they smell dragon scent on him. That must be it. Like obviously something happened, right? I mean, obviously he intentionally spooked the horse, mm-hmm. especially because you know, Rio was about to attack him because he was giving off I'm about to attack you in some way energy. It was it was bad times. <laughs> well, also, I, you know, we were discussing this on the couch. Like no wonder he's going after like as discussed in the previous episode, the director said, I mean, this is abuse, right? But, uh... A bit. Damon and his niece. He looks very cool compared to his niece, but that's why he's going for all these younger women. Rhea Royce is like, what the fuck are you doing? You're not a serious person. <laughs> and calls him on his bullshit because she's been around the block and knows bullshit when she sees it. Yeah. I thought it interesting they never consummated their marriage. Yeah. Is what she implies there, right? And because she wasn't blonde, because <laughs> she's not blonde, and his cousin or niece or sibling, um, I mean, realistically, any he'll take any. There's something sad that like Alisan made this match, right? And Rhea is supposed to be this very bold, fierce young woman. So you'd think that Damon would like that. And as we kind of chatted in the previous episodes, it's a power play. Like she very much is sure of herself. If there's one thing we know about Rhea Royce's character from her only scene, yeah, she's very sure of herself until he starts advancing towards her, obviously, yeah, and until he spooks her horse and she can see what's about to happen to her. It, it is awful. It is terrible. So, But that is interesting that, as you point out, they didn't consummate their marriage, so they don't do their duty, right? Because mm-hmm. that is a running thing throughout this episode of doing your duty within a marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he told Rhaenyra in the last, you know, last episode, yeah, just do your duty, then get out of there. You know, that's what I did, and look at me. And it's like, no, you're actually a big, giant coward. Yeah, you didn't do your duty. (laughs) And you didn't do anything wrong in this scene, because I didn't see it. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. I I know he killed her. I knew he killed her already. Let's be real. I kind of wish that her cousin had gone with her, but I wonder if he would just be like, I'll just kill him too. But I don't think he can spook two horses at the same time. Like, he... What was he doing? He was just like, I'm wearing a cloak. And I'm like, what are you doing? Well, goodbye, Rhea. We hardly knew you. We won't know anything about you. Honestly, part of me does think they were like, we have to include the Royces. Because you could have cut this out. I guess so. They could have. But also, maybe they'll do something with... Because we do get the mention of Lady Jane. Mm -hmm. And Lady Jane Aaron does play a significant role 
role, especially in the dance and as an ally to the Blacks. So, I mean, I, I think that maybe they included this as a setup. Maybe this will come back somehow and haunt, like, their alliance. Because, I mean, when she dies, the veil splits up into huge war. Maybe that's what would have happened when Rhaenyra someday dies if she, you know, actually had the throne. Maybe what we see with those different factions of men rising up and tearing the veil apart between Joffrey mm-hmm. Aaron and uh, Arnold Aaron. So she has an Arnold Aaron cousin, right? And he and his ascendants are disinherited from the Aaron line of succession by her last testament. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and she she does become one of Aegon III's regents, so that is also interesting. Mm-hmm. And when she dies, so she names her distant cousin Joffrey Aaron as her heir, but then the conflict between Eldric Aaron and Isambard Aaron rises up, and Corwin Corbray rules that her will and testament must prevail. Yeah. There's definitely something Rhaenyra-esque of just, like, that's the echo of of the wars, you know, over the succession. That's interesting. And we might see something like that pass in the main series. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we're on a boat. Oh my god. We had a review recently that really liked that we referenced on a boat. Really? Yes. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. They said something about... Uh, they just said something about how they loved it. It was a good review. I really liked that. So, we're on a boat. Viserys gets seasickness while his new hand, Lionel Strong, or old hand, I guess. He's been hand for a minute. Right? Like, a a month. A week. I don't know. A mid-length of time hand. A very... Okay, a short amount of time. He has been hand for a short amount of time. And he kind of helps him wipe up. He hands him a little rag to wipe his face with. Lionel's duties in this episode have totally increased. You can tell. He's the opposite of Otto, though, because he does everything quietly and seems to observe, seems to act much more quietly makes his decisions and makes his actions very small, but they're very meaningful. Like, Otto did everything with a manner of decor or a layer of sarcasm about them, right? Like, he's never subtle, ever. Uh, Where Lionel, I mean, even at the wedding later, Lionel, like, gives him a head nod to his son. He goes, Harwin, get in there and go do this shit without even saying it. It was such a great, silent, just nod. And Harwin said, all right, they act as a unit. They act as a family. He has his house sorted out. Where Otto, you know, yeah. very, even from the conversation he's about to have with Alicent, like, they're very differing. They're very much clashing in their beliefs right now in King's Landing, where the Strongs are somewhat one unit. Larys, I don't know. Keep an eye on that guy. Who knows? Yeah. He doesn't even know. I, I don't know. And it is, yeah, interesting, that, as you said, right, Lionel is very subtle, and he does seem very unassuming, right? He seems like someone that you can trust, and he seems very down-to-earth, unlike Otto, who, yeah, he'd blow smoke up your ass, but he was also so pompous. Yeah, he just had a punchable face. Yeah, whereas Lionel, I don't know, he just has a trustable face, which may may be wrong. And Doeer, you know? Yeah. I trust him. I mean, as you said, right, he's always watching. We see it in the previous episodes and then this one, but also I just love his facial expressions when he's watching. He's like, what the fuck? (laughs) He's like, I can't believe people are doing this in front of me. But when he offers (laughs) the handkerchief to Viserys, like it's not, he isn't asked to do it. You know, no one says, get the king his handkerchief and he does it. He just produces it very small, very subtly. He comes over and hands it to him, tries to take care of business where Otto would have made a whole display of it. Like, oh, this is terrible, my king. 
Oh God, this is yeah. so horrible. You're dying in front of us. How could this happen? Yeah. Like, and you don't need to commentate everything, Otto. Yeah, Lionel lets him save face. And this episode does kind of, I think, show us a little bit about the contrast. Even though Lionel is so... Even though Lionel is so efficient, Viserys did have a close friendship with Otto, right? And Lionel and Viserys don't have that kind of emotional connection. And I think it's because... Lionel actually did tell the hard truths to Viserys, as we've seen in previous episodes, unlike, you know, Otto Brownnoser. Yeah, Otto has a very honeyed tongue when it comes to the things he told Viserys. Like, everything had that that extra shade of depth to it. Oh, well, this is why, my king, we must do things this way, because of you and your health and the way the kingdom is. Where Lionel's very quiet, and they don't have a relationship at all. That's interesting. Yeah, they, they they have a working relationship, but they don't have a close personal one. And I think that makes some of the things, like, literally the personal affairs of Viserys' illness difficult later on. Yeah. Tense between them. That's um, true. Anyway, Rainier and Kristen are also hanging out on this boat, and we're going to Driftmark. I'm so hyped to go to Driftmark, but before we get there, we have to say goodbye to Otto. I'm hyped for that, too. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> have a nice trip. <laughs> uh, see you next fall. Literally, oh. probably. I, yeah, probably. Allison bids her father farewell. She doesn't want him to leave, and he says, well, it's your fault, kid, because you are believing Rhaenyra and not me. Believe men, Allison, is what oh Otto is saying. You should believe men. Yeah, but also Otto is wrong, right? It has nothing to do... It literally, Allison's beliefs didn't factor into this in the least. Because we know Viserys doesn't believe Rhaenyra, which is why he sends the tea, right? He's like, <sighs> teenagers, you know? And I get it. As a teenage girl, I too lied to my parents a lot. And Viserys was right to doubt that. So Otto was wrong. Otto was wrong that Viserys didn't believe Rhaenyra, and it's just only one of the many things that Otto was wrong about, because I don't care. I'm an Otto hater. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing we can all agree on, fuck Otto Hightower. He just... Yeah. Well, this especially shows, too. He's, like, not... If you don't want to get fired, and you're blaming it on your teenage daughter, who, like, right? you only recently forced into this job in the last handful of years, I don't know... How are you supposed to blame her for losing your job? Like, that wasn't her job. Also, she has done more for this kingdom than Otto, right? Like, she yeah. was the one who advised Viserys, like, you gotta put a fucking stop to this war, alright? Whereas Viserys would have let it keep going just because he wanted to create that rift between Damon and Viserys, which was not in the benefit of the kingdom. Frankly, Viserys wedding Alicent was not in the benefit of the kingdom, right? Like, none of this was good, and Alicent treated everything her dad asked. And that's the other unfair part. Like, you can obviously see he's emotionally abusive to her. Yes. I mean, he's putting this on her and saying, Dad lost his big corporate <laughs> job because you did this wrong, and because your friend fucked up, and good luck with her. And... That's a good point. It, it, she says to him, like, you're wrong, and you need to stop pushing Aegon as heir. And he says he has to, because the realm won't accept her. They have to crown Aegon when Viserys dies, and Rhaenyra would kill all of Alicent's children to secure her claim. Again, planting these seeds, these seeds of doubt, and, like, it, it's cruel the way he's putting it on her. 
at the same time. It's not like she shouldn't know there's a risk, but even the way, I don't know, in this scene, she still says she still is defiant, even to this moment in the series so far. She says to him, like, no, if you hadn't pushed this, none of this would have happened. None of this would need to happen. It reminds me of Ned and Robert arguing in a Game of Thrones over killing Daenerys, right, in the small council. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of those, you know, you're, you're killing the crime before it's even been committed, so it doesn't exist yet. Chicken versus the egg, like... Yeah. Ah, if we get rid of her now, this problem now, we won't have a problem down the road. But, like, also, he is literally creating that conflict at the very front of this episode. He did this. Yeah, Otto, I watched Minority Report. Oh, my God. And the point was that was bad. That was bad for society. And it's funny because it's a show that is about a family driven by this divine pro- prophecy, right? And... What we see Otto doing is actually creating what becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because like you said, right, he's planting all these ideas in Allison's head. Frankly, the Rhaenyra that we know and that we have seen portrayed in the show, in her actions, I do think like she would not kill Allison's children. And I do think that is part of the significance of why we were shown her refusing to kill the White Heart. Because like not just... It's not just like that the White Heart shows that she was the rightful heir and chose her. Um, but had she brought it back, that is, again, a way to secure and prove her queenship in the same way that getting rid of any competition is a way to secure your queenship, right? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't kill the White Heart just as she would not kill Allison's children without provocation. And based on what we see in Fire and Blood, it doesn't seem like she really... She really did, even when, like, I mean, who knows what happens with Helena, but she doesn't kill Helena. Mm-hmm. That's a really great point. And it's sad because in that moment, you could see a future where it could work out. You know, where she could raise her children along, alongside Rhaenyra's. They could have a weird, big, funny-shaped family, and it could all work. Yeah. I'm a much modern family. Exactly. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then like, but as you said, right, Otto puts it all on her, and now Allison is suddenly even more alone, right? Like, she was alone before and had to deal with her father's stresses, but at least there was someone there, and that that makes it like this weird toxic codependent yes. thing. Yes. But at least she wasn't the only Hightower there at court, and now he's saying you can't trust Rhaenyra, you can't trust... Obviously, she can't trust her husband. He's incompetent, so. I would have liked some of this conversation to have been peppered in the last episode or so a little more. Yeah, Um, things are fast. And and that's okay. Like, I I can deal with it. And I think the time jumps are supposed to make you understand this has been going on for a while for all parties involved and all sides. But I would have liked a little more of this and a little more of the pressuring on her. It's fine. I like the way it all turns out and the way her arc in this episode plays out. It was actually very interesting. I was, like, very interested in how it was unfolding, but Mm -hmm. I would like more. Maybe I just want more. Maybe I'm greedy. Well, I think think that's a valid, like, criticism, and it's something that we've brought up in previous episodes, right? Like, we would just, like, one more scene of establishment Mm -hmm. before we get to, like, this sudden, like, payoff and whatever. This episode, I think, has a lot of that. Not in a horrible way, just there's a lot, you know, Laner and Joffrey set up that's immediately 
yeah. destroyed. And then, like, Lena is getting to be in the plot. But, for example, this is what the only episode fully with Lena at this age with this actress. Yeah. And then she's a new actress next episode. Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's fine, whatever. They wanted to show it age up, but it's very interesting how they aged this along. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just would have liked, understand why they didn't, time constraints, whatever. But it just would have been great to see a little more of the Valerians and... Mm-hmm. And as you said, right, like here with uh, the difficulties between Allison and her father. We've, we've seen quite a few, but yeah. Anyway, speaking of the Valerians, we did it, friends. We are at Driftmark, finally. And I have been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh my god, my whole life. It was so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. All my life, man. Fuck's sake. It was It was the Your best. Year. It was beautiful. Yes. It's everything. I don't know. I, I think I still want to see Spice Town. We're going to see Spice Town, I think. We have to. Yeah, I think we're going to, because I think Ryan Condell will give us that. But Yeah. He gave us Runestone. That's true, he did. The Veil. Um, and I will say that I, I don't know, I wanted to call it this little detail. There's that little lamp in the carriage on their awkward ride over. I just like the little lamp. Aw, I like the cup holder, you like the lamp. Yeah. Adorable, <laughs> adorable. It doesn't seem like a great ride, right? Like, Viserys is visibly in pain. Rainier is also visibly in pain because she has to go deal with this. Uh, Corlys, in a major power move, mm-hmm. does not greet Viserys. He makes Viserys and Rhaenyra come on in through all of his riches into his beautiful castle. Really makes him come in and work for it. Joffrey and Lena are out there in the yard fighting, which is very sweet. Lena welcomes them to High Tide and Corlys is waiting them in the hall. Uh, I thought there was a lot of, you know, like Oberyn with Tyrion, right? When mm-hmm. Oberyn arrives and he's nowhere to be found. Or Rob receiving Tyrion, even. There was a, there's just something interesting in the power play that putting yourself that way, knowing the king is coming to ask something of me and I will not grovel for him. But at the same time, we'll see later, he does still get to his knee, you know, and gives him his due. Yeah, yeah. Though Oberyn does greet Tyrion in the books. Sure, I yeah, just mean yeah, more yeah. over the idea of, like, Oberyn comes instead yeah. of... Oh, yeah, yeah, Oberyn coming instead yes, of Doran. Yeah, instead of Doran. And the insult, you know, of not greeting someone with the royal person that was invited. Absolutely. Though, I guess then we find out, like, damn, Doran was in a lot of pain. That would have actually been really difficult for him. But it, it also, speaking of those parallels, is... You were talking about Rob receiving Tyrion, but it's done to Rob also mm-hmm. by the phrase. Yeah, by the phrase. Yeah. Oh, and that's for a marriage. As a well. marriage. Yeah. Oh, that's a great call. It's for mm. a marriage. I like that. Well, okay. So we get to the Godswood. Oh my and god! This is being a messy bitch. This is the messiest scene in the fucking history of Game of Thrones. It is. He is spilling the tea literally, and he discusses that the flowers here, like the the Bravosi flowers, they are unnatural for this area. And I'm like, that's just a fucking hibiscus. I mean, turn that into a flavor. I loved it though because yeah. was that you thought it too, right? It made me think about Bravos in the main series and the lemon tree. I actually didn't you didn't? No, that's interesting though. So it's the opposite, right? Like he has a flower from Bravos that, against all odds, should not be thriving in King's Landing, uh, and here it is thriving. And it's the opposite that a lemon thriving in Bravos probably shouldn't be thriving, but yet there it is. Yeah, so it shows that it can happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, part of it is, of course, about Alicent as a flower 
in the court and people being like, didn't think it could bloom here, but it did. Like, it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious, yes. I think. Um, and she does bloom at the end of the episode. And um, I kind of wonder if there's also a little bit of shade of like, oh, isn't it unnatural for a woman to be inheriting as well as, uh, you know, her using the abortion tea, the moon tea. And I will say also, I said this in our Discord, I don't know, as you were saying about needing more scenes, this is one that I think needed also another scene. And I think our patrons also discussed that because we haven't seen Laurie's and Allison ever really talk before or even have any sort of interactions besides them being in the same area during that women's court-ish scene during the hunt. And I don't know, she just like, after just one interaction, believes him what he and what he's saying. Because personally for me, if someone did that, was just coming in here, you know, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Stop telling lies about my bestie. I will argue, Messy like, bitch. he does ask to sit down and maybe that's why, she, like, when he, at the woman's court, he does ask to sit down and, like, sit and listen to them, though he doesn't say anything. So maybe she took that in high esteem. Yeah, but I, I think I just needed one more yeah. scene of them, like, even in the same room and then interacting in some manner you know mm-hmm. um and i think it was also really interesting that allison knows what the tea implies whereas rainiera had no such clue that these sorts of things that birth control existed at all mm-hmm. and so that points to allison actually having had like some sort of sex education and is it something that she learned from Otto because he thought it would be practical for her to know? Is it like something that she learned from other noble women? Mm. Is it something that she knows because she is a childbearing age? Though of course men would not really want her to know about it necessarily. And I also find it interesting that Rhaenyra was never taught this at all. I mean, I guess also her duty is to bear heirs, but it's just very interesting that Allison is the one who knows what it is. Yeah, and it does seem that she doesn't immediately condemn her still, right? Like, she continues on her investigation for the truth, though she's starting to obviously form a certain opinion. She's obviously like, all right, I need to put this investigation to rest soon. I think that Larry's definitely intrigued her with this, and it's interesting to think that, I mean, she was supposed... She, her father was planning her seduction of the king, it seems. Yeah. For years. Like, before she was even seductible. Seductivable. I mean, we can see that he was planning for her to be there, right? Like, and as you said, right, to catch the eye of someone, especially the king there, considering we know in Fire and Blood that she was, and that doesn't work for the ages here, but she was reading fucking bedtime stories to Jaharis. She thinks, she jumps to the conclusions, it's the right conclusion, right, based on it being from Maester Melos, but... Kind of overlooks that it was sent by Viserys, so. Yeah, again, that's sad because she doesn't know that. This is all based on miscommunications, this entire fight. This entire episode went full soap opera. I'm here for it, but I'm saying they went full soap opera with the way they do the miscommunication thing. So are the days of our lives. (laughs) Back in Corlys' hall. Lena is taking Rhaenyra to breakfast, which I loved. I was excited to see them have a moment together. I hope they do get some friendship in the next episodes. Yeah. Before, you know, she croaks. <sighs> Damn it, George. Same, same. Viserys coughs 
he also does it while like Corley's is bent beneath him. I this series I don't think does this on purpose, but like damn, it was rude. He like coughs kind of like all over Corley's. In this economy? I well literally in this economy, I'm like, oh my god, mask up this series, god. God Jesus. Uh Rainey's enters with a very excited cousin. It was very actually sweet and authentic, yeah. and it was really sad when they go to have a hug and he pulls back, you know, because of everything happening with his skin, with his leprosy mm-hmm. and his lack of fingers, losing his fingers to this disease. Um, She's worried for him. Yeah, she is worried for him. And like, he doesn't want her to feel or see the monster that he feels he's becoming. She's all hale and healthy. And mm-hmm. imagine if, th- I mean, that is our queen, but imagine also if that was our queen and yeah, Oh, I I also liked her outfit that she's got like these pants on. Yeah, it almost seemed like it was her dragon riding garb or yeah. something, right? Like what she wears on the day off when she's about to go ride Maylies around. Yeah, or even I don't know, they just just seemed like comfy loungy clothes. I was into it. Um, agree. Interesting too that the first time we see her in her domain, yeah, she's relaxed true. and in these more natural colors, and her hair is still great and crazy. But uh, the rest of her stuff is, like, very relaxed and laid back. Like, you can tell they feel powerful and they feel proud in their domain and confident, right, of the proposal to come. And she feels very cheery about it, because I'm sure, as as we talk about a little in the episode, they kind of mention, you know, as they work out the negotiations of the marriage between them, too, Mm -hmm. that she's getting some of her due. In some ways, late, but, you know, better late than never. Yeah, I mean, their, their family was snubbed twice. Kind of rude. Can't As, do it a third especially time. Especially very personally by Viserys, right? So, I mean, it, it makes sense that they were just a little rude. Like, the most you can do is, like, grovel a little bit Viserys, which he does to an extent. Also, Lionel, again, he's here. Corlys congratulates Lionel on his promotion. And then, uh, speaking of news, uh, surprise, Damon's wife is dead now. Viserys. Uh, Viserys didn't know because he was on a ship. Yeah, Damon is now single. and Interesting. Interesting. And I actually thought it was really interesting that both Rainey's and Corley's were like, well, yeah, don't you know? So now there's a matter of inheritance to be settled for Runestone, huh? Yeah, and that's true. they actually were like very hungry almost when they yeah. said it. Like you could see a little hunger in their eyes. And I think that I think there's definitely great setup for Lena and Damon that's been happening for episodes, like the the Corleys and Damon alliance, and now obviously this episode they dance together, and you know Corleys and Rainies are like so about Runestone, and it just like is in passing. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. get lingered on, especially because Viserys is like, well, let's not talk about all that. Let's talk about this. I want Lena and Rhaenyra to get married. The heir, regardless of gender. Very important, regardless of gender, will inherit. And Corlys is like, um, but I would like them to be Valerians, you know, since masculinity is a thing right now for me in these marriages. My name. Legacy, yeah. Yeah, his legacy. And Viserys is like, okay, yeah, sure. Until the firstborn ascends the throne. Regardless. Yeah, regardless of gender. Whoever, like, takes the throne, right? Then they'll become Targaryen. Which, I mean,. Honestly, that makes sense, and that also speaks to what that's that speaks to the, some of the world building people have discussed regarding naming conventions before, mm-hmm. and also how often the queen consort does not take the name of the king. Yeah, 
She's not born into it. Yeah. So, you know, they they play a little coy. They hold back. There's a pause and then they take the deal. They're like, this is an equitable, what was it? Something. An equitable, yeah, huh. engagement or negotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it was. this is a really good deal. But I mean, you made a great point last night to me because I was like, y'all aren't going to go into any money. And you're like, they don't need money. Look at this fucking castle. It's gorgeous. Like, they don't need money. What they want is what money can't buy. Yeah. They want prestige and they want the connections that come with the crown in order to control the rest of, you know, the economy and how that money would flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a good deal. And now that I say that, I, I also want to pause because Rainier is not a sure deal. Like, they'll talk about it later. But uh, Lena to the king would have been a better deal. Yeah, absolutely. No offense, Rhaenyra. I think you're worthwhile. It's just a lot of society doesn't. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, first, Rhaenyra and Lenor, they're going to talk about their marriage, too, uh, at Driftmark. And this was everything that I kind of wanted it to be. Yeah, lavender so wedding negotiations, right? They both talk about how they will do their duty and then whet their very different appetites on the side. And Rhaenyra implies, obviously, that she knows Lenor has very different tastes than Rhaenyra. And she herself... Not so much into that. She has other manly pursuits going on out there. She's like, call me Aegon the First because I'm out here conquering these men. Yeah. In some ways, her tastes are... I guess this is a common metaphor based on the way Joffrey asks later. The roast duck and goose. It's the way people talk about it in passing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that she knows. I've always wanted it to be that she knows and that they have this agreement and that they are friends, right? They come to this in this like peaceful way together and i don't know how that'll go it'll probably be somewhat peaceful i mean it's not like her fault that kristen fucking wilded out yeah corley's and brainies discuss the marriage as well on their own once viserys is taking a nap before the ship comes back rainies calls this a pretty dangerous move and corley's refuses to acknowledge his son's gay but rainies doesn't forget and she's like you're really ignoring who he is yeah. We are putting him actively in danger, she basically tells him. And God, they did more on confronting, I don't know, some of these themes of homophobia, right, in, in Westeros and their society and what they're doing by putting their son married to the throne. I mean, this comes true, right? Like she says, you're putting him in danger. And right after this, his companion dies, gets murdered at this wedding. Corley's ignoring it, pretending it's not real. It's interesting commentary. I'm glad that they put this into season one of this show already. I'm glad they're starting to work some things in. It's not perfect. Uh, the source material's definitely not perfect mm-hmm. when it comes to that. I do think they're at least improving a bit on it. Yeah, but I mean, it goes to show, right? Being of a marginalized identity is mm-hmm. being in a vulnerable position, mm-hmm. right? And... They're also talking about the extension of the the risk when it comes to Rhaenyra, right? Because Rhaenys points out knives will come out because she knows how fragile women's inheritance is from being passed over before. And that's why, again, Rhaenyra is not a sure bet. And it's interesting that they think Lena is at risk because it's a little di- it's to crown him as to kill him. Yeah. But that Lena would have been safer. Because that is the way that of things people accept a king taking a much younger wife, mm-hmm. even though it endangers her in terms of the birthing bed. God, and it's just a bummer because we know none of this works out for Laner. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, he is endangered, right? And not, not in the way that people would think. It was uh, it's Chris and Cole, who's supposed to be a knight, sworn to protect the weak and the innocent. Yep, and he's out here, um, not doing any of that. We'll, we'll talk about. We'll get to Kristen Cole's yeah. hate crime soon. Literally, Don't worry. though, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Laner and Joffrey share a very last tender moment at Driftmark together before they take off to King's Landing. It is a sweet, tender moment. Yeah. Them wrestling around in the grass. Just sweet and tender and sad and over too soon. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they had a wonderful, healthy relationship. They were best friends and that's what I... That's how my relationship works, you know? And... Mm -hmm. Well, that well, that's how a healthy relationship looks, right? You're best friends with your partner, and and then Joffrey like seems like a great. He brings light to mm-hmm. to Laner, right? Like he's clearly the the more jovial side, and I like the that he cracks a joke of like, "Was I the duck or the goose?" Which is again why I think like this is clearly a common saying in Westeros. Yeah, Joffrey tries to cheer him up. He's like, "This is a great arrangement for all of us." And he says, you'll need a sworn protector. And then he pieces together that Rhaenyra has her own paramour. Very smart, because she obviously does. Um, (laughs) And that paramour is about to be in the business of misery. Wait, that's the wrong paramour. I mean, he is in the... Yes, yes, yes. Take it from the touch. Got a body like an hourglass. It's both. Yeah. (laughs) It is misery business. Things are taken like a clock. Uh, so, of course, and Joffrey takes it great, right? Like, he is overjoyed. He's enthused. He's like, this is the best we could hope for, for our relationship, Laner. And then we have a very opposite scene, because Rhaenyra's paramour is not taking this so well. Yeah, on the boat from Driftmark, Kristen Cole makes his greatest move yet. Rhaenyra, run away with me. I love you. We can be poor together. XOXO. Heart emojis. I just want to say that, like, my boyfriend, when we were watching this, was like, what the fuck? Like, what, what is this? How does that, that thinking even work? And then when we were rewatching to prepare for this recording, because he overheard, he's like, this dude's such a loser. <laughs> oh my god, it is so frustrating, because the whole time I was like, no, don't do this. Because this is actually what we kind of knew was coming, in, in, in reality. In fact, I expected this sooner, that he comes to her and is like, run away with me, and give up all of this, right? Like... You said you wanted to choose your future, so let me choose it for you. We can get rid of the whole crown problem. We can go be poor in Essos, or go to a shy, or this, or that. And she's like, cute, but no. We, like, the whole goal is that, like, I'm the heir. I get everything I've wished for, which that's what it makes it so sad, this episode, because she negotiates with Laner, and she's like, I can have my cake. I can eat it, too. I can have everything that a man can have. Honestly, I want that for her. Yeah, I want it for I anyone. Want it. Yeah, no, I want it for everyone. Everyone's just fucking it up, though. But, like, absolutely. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, leave it all behind. You said you wanted to choose your future. So here, you can do this thing and you'll be free to make your own choices. And I'm like, with what money? Anyway. <laughs> free to do what? She doesn't get her trust for at least two more years, Kristen. I literally. Um, also, she explains, you know, and then he like gets super mad when she like chooses, right? Um, and, and this ties back to what we were saying last episode, right? 
and why I've always been like, in some capacity, she must have rejected Kristen. I don't know. I didn't know how it played out exactly in Fire and Blood because it was wishy-washy. That was the point. Mm-hmm. But it always made sense to me that she rejects him in some way because, as we discussed last episode, men get violent when rejected. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, because they think they own you. And here it, it's a little different. But anyway, she explains that she's a crown and it's her duty and that they can still bang. <laughs> and he'd still be he'd be her sworn protector and right there. And he's very offended about this, throws his oath of chastity in her face and that he's like, it's the only thing I had to my name, and I sold my cloak. And he's like, I thought if we were married, I might be able to restore it. What? <laughs> How does that even work? I'm sorry. I thought that <laughs> exactly. if we got married, you could restore my good name and, you know, wipe my sins and take my cloak from me. What? I'm like, so you wanted... I, j- I just don't understand. So you forsake all of the oaths then. And somehow getting married fixes that? You can't marry her and t- get your Kingsguard status off without her being the queen. What, you think she's going to beg to Viserys that, to just forgive her like Damon's done so many times? Yeah. I, like, I'm like, what if he, there was no logic in this entire process for him. This is like, himbos everywhere are embarrassed right now. <laughs> Aries Oakheart in the future. He's not even a sperm in someone's womb yet, but Aries Oakheart in the future is shuddering. Aries was not this dumb. He was dumb, but not this dumb. Absolutely not. Oh Oh my god. I'm so glad they made him stupid, because (laughs) I was starting to be like, what's gonna happen with Kristen Cole? Because I thought I wouldn't like this stupid fucker, and they made him stupid. Thank god. Thank the gods. All of them. New, old... Because he's so stupid. I just sat here shaking my head. This whole episode. Stupid. Rhaenyra tries to explain, you know, like, I am the crown and she's got a duty and that the Iron Throne is bigger than everyone and more important and starts to talk about Aegon uniting the Seven Kingdoms when Kristen storms off because I guess he doesn't have emotional maturity either as well as being dumb. He doesn't see the big picture. He's so annoying. You know, I want to be sympathetic to him because as we discussed, like, last episode... There is a complexity with it in regards to her position as a as a princess, right? Mm-hmm. And the power that it would hold over, like, the Kingsguard. But he did consent. And somehow it's, it's understandable that he wants her to take some, I guess, responsibility for this. But at the same time, I do think he could have chosen not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, like, definitely could have said no. And... Like, I do think he did have enough power in a position to do so. Like, I'm not... I, I don't think he was coerced. And I, I understand that he's panicking, obviously. And he continues to panic the rest of the episode. Um, but it just is so stupid to me of him, like, that he really thought... <sighs> I think that it's very human and it's realistic and... It is terrifying to me that it is realistic Mm -hmm. because, again, like of what happens and how he just tries to ruin her life Mm -hmm. over having sex once. You know, I know that like his O's are broken, but it's also like, why is she responsible? In my opinion, for that, too. I I guess we can we can talk about that. I will say, like, I think that unlike how it is portrayed in Fire and Blood, Rhaenyra did take this proposal seriously. Mm-hmm. And we see she did not laugh in his face at this proposal. She is, I think, a little bit tempted by 
the idea of going to Essos. It's romantic, it's adventure, and that is what Rhaenyra wants on one level, right? And it's what she told Emma, her mother, that she wanted. Like, she wanted to be a knight. She wants to be free and to go to Essos and, like, be part of, you know, do whatever. But she wouldn't be free if she did it with him. Exactly. And I think that's another thing, right? It wouldn't be free. She would be, he's like, yeah, we would be nameless. We could do whatever we wanted. And there's an aspect of Arya that you can like kind Mm -hmm. of see in that idea of freedom. But also he's taking her away from people she loves from her home and isolating her. And I think for me, that screams red flags also of that isolation and abuse. It's He's not doing it yet, but it could become that. That's important because in Kristen asking her to go and be nameless, what rights does she have as a nameless woman in Mm -hmm. Essos or anywhere else? What only rights she have would be, just like the beginning of the episode with Damon, what her husband's rights says. Exactly. Exactly. She has no power over the rest of her life if that's what she chooses. Yep. She'd have to hope that he'd be a good guy. And you know what? From the way he reacts to all this... She won this bet. I mean, I don't know if you deserve to marry me and take me to Essos at this point, Kristen Cole. You're not acting very husbandly no, right he's now. Not. Well, he's not a supportive king, okay? Yeah. He's really, well, for a number of reasons, but. It is not Kristen Cole season on this podcast, is, is what not. we're saying. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I do not. Kristen Cole anti. Yeah, I'm a Kristen Cole anti. Um, no, at that same token, we're going to talk hot, in a little bit about how I'm like, but yeah, have sex with Allison because you know you're gonna. You guys have to have makeup sex together about how sad you are about your lives. So yeah, they're going to both pretend the other is Rhaenyra. Exactly, it's perfect <laughs> for them. <laughs> I mean, like I really do hope. Rebound. I really do hope she can have an orgasm. It's the weirdest rebound, you know. It's like dark version of Cora and Asami. Oh my god, <laughs> but not like that at all. But um. Anyway, so, of course, Rhaenyra wants to keep her societal power mm-hmm. and and the freedom she has here as heir and all the prestige that comes with that. But I do think that there is an aspect of duty that is driving it as well, because she talks about it. She talks about the duty and the Iron Throne being bigger. And she especially, by bringing up Aegon uniting the Seven Kingdoms, I think that speaks to her thinking of the prophecy mm-hmm. and this huge thing her father has put on her. She's choosing, I know he says you didn't choose this, but she did in a way because marriage is like a horrifying thing for a lot of women in Westeros to have to choose. I mean, look at Rhea. Yeah. Look who she married and what happened to her. So she's hedging her bets in the best way she can that she'll be safe. She has a great situation. And I mean, it's funny because it is very Jamie Cersei in the way of like Kristen, you know, feeling... Some sort of ownership over Rhaenyra, you know, and that probably comes from their intimate time together. But he feels some sort of ownership to her when a queen is supposed to be for her people. Yeah, And she has to choose that over him. I mean, she knows she has to. But absolutely, a queen is for her people. And there's also the hilarious line that I do think is intentional. She's like, I will live a life of infamy, right? Well, I would choose a life of infamy over, I don't know selling bushels of oranges, which it's funny because she does become infamous. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, why did you choose that word? Why did you choose that word of all the other words you could have chosen, Rhaenyra? But I know why. Yep. 
the writing. The writing. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I, I guess I should feel a little bad for Kristen Cole. Like, what choices are left to him? But also, I'm like... He does a bad job at his literal job later on. And we will yeah. discuss this in a second. Allison watches Viserys return. There's this moment where he falls coming out of the carriage and she flinches. She physically flinches. Uh, and I don't know, maybe she's thinking about how that's her protection. Damn. Oh. That's it. Mm. You know, the moment he falls, she feels like she'll fall, too. Yeah. The maesters are called, and Melos says he needs leeches, book cannon, book cannon. Yeah. And um, I appreciate that I think she wore Viserys' favorite dress just for his return. Oh, yeah, with the army thingies. Yeah, she's into that dress. But she wears that same dress, too. Again, we go full soap opera in this episode. Allison learns the truth from Kristen Cole. Yeah, this was... What an idiot. <laughs> what a fucking imbecile. If you thought Kristen Cole was stupid before now, like me, boy, are you gonna think he's even stupider after now. Allison, straight up, she didn't even... She didn't even say it was him, and he just opened his mouth like that. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying full soap opera, right? Like, with the miscommunications and stuff. And, I mean, it's also, like, Allison just loves to bury the lead with this questioning. I get it. She's, like, emotional. She's young. She's nervous. This is a really weird thing to ask. Like, yo, did you fuck? Or not, did you fuck? Yo, do you know, like, if my best friend's uncle fucked her? It's a weird thing to ask. Yeah. Understandably. But, uh... She doesn't usually come out with it, right? When she's asking people, like, that's what she did with Rainier and the Godswood. And she's like, did you do it? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Define it. Yeah, so she's also, but in that situation, there were a million things it could have been. <laughs> and, and to be fair, Rhaenyra uses that define it to her advantage. Yeah, unlike Kristen Cole, who just outs it, just fucking. <sighs> and it is an awkward thing to have to ask. And. <laughs> By asking it, it she is treason. Uncle. Mm, true. It's That's treason. True. What she's doing is treason. She's asking Kristen. So it's interesting that he's immediately pleading for her to spare him with whatever power that she can have as a queen. Because he's like, I'm fucked because I fucked a queen. And she, the queen, is like, I'm fucked because I'm trying to fuck the queen. Or I'm trying to fuck the queen's life up a little bit to get some answers. It's a little both. She it's doesn't know. She's confused. Column A, column B, <laughs> you know, um... Young lesbians, you know, yeah. young lesbians. It's such a giant miscommunication that outs this whole entire thing. And oh, what juicy tea that brings to Allison. And now she has to go spend the whole evening sewing a new dress. Yeah. She's like, this is the perfect time to premiere my brand new dress I've been working on for months. That's actually what she did. She's like, it's not a wedding. It is... Fashion week. It actually, I think, is fashion week right now. Here's step mommy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of fashion week, I do want to give a shout out. This person's probably like having a great time right now to Oberyn Ironwood. Um, oh yeah, Oberyn Ironwood rocks over from Reddit. Yeah, who sent us an email with their wonderful like in depth analysis of. Um, I think right now it's still just focused on Allison's outfits on season one and looking at them from a historical perspective but i'm sure that they had a field day with this episode uh so also i don't know i don't know if this is published yet anywhere over in if it is send us a link we'll make sure to share it but it was great 
some really great costume analysis, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about the costume analysis when we get to the wedding. But before we get to the wedding, first, you know, we gotta we gotta work ourselves, we gotta rally up for it. The Maesters and Lionel are tending to Viserys. Orwile is there, and he mm. wants to give Viserys potions and poultices, but Melos only believes in leeches, which is, again, literally book canon. There is a subnote about how Orwile really thought maybe potions and poultices could be better, and also Rhaenyra's maester uh, also thought that, that more about the potions, and... We probably should have done it. Yeah, Melos only believed in leeches, and that could have been part of the downfall that Melos was behind on his medical knowledge. Yeah, go get your license reinstated, or whatever. I don't know how the fucking medical... <laughs> Retest. Works. Yeah. I don't, you have to get those renewed or something, right? Absolutely. Lionel, this is the scene, right, where you see there's they're just not that close. As Lionel gives Viserys the milk of the poppy. And then Viserys asks Lionel if he'll be remembered as a good king. He feels he wasn't challenged. He's literally being challenged. Right? He's been challenged a lot because he didn't have a war. And now he feels his place in the histories is fleeting, if any. Yeah, there are some really great... Uh, some references this episode, right? Like, there's a reference to the Crucible in this speech. Oh. Yeah, and of course the Crucible, the play especially, obviously, is an allegory comparing Salem witch trials to McCarthyism, uh, showing the similarity during the Red Scare, the hunt for communists and spies in the U.S., similar to a witch hunt taking place in Salem. So I think that's interesting because there's a little bit of a witch hunt for Rhaenyra's hymen going on, and who took it? who mm-hmm. took Rhaenyra's hymen, and also uh, Viserys is slowly not trusting everyone else, right? And earlier on, Rhaenys said that Viserys has gotten himself into a tempest, right? Into a dark storm to go full Shakespearean. They're really yeah. bringing in some great references this season. That's interesting. I'm going to keep the crucible in mind as the series progresses, because I wonder if we'll see more of that, how the how it all goes with the series... And I don't know, I just can't, I can't take the series seriously. He's all like, part of me wishes that I had been tested. And again, I'm like, Bitch. you were tested so many times and you literally failed each time. I, you failed every single time. And he's really sad though. It's uh, reminiscent. A lot of people said this is very reminiscent of Robert, right? Giving his failed king speech to Ned. Yeah. This is definitely not the peak of Viserys. It is the downfall of Viserys. We are, we've reached his climax as an old man. Yeah, but maybe if he had, like, passed any of his tests, yeah. it wouldn't be his peak. <laughs> or, like, it wouldn't be, a, you know, so, so sad for him. I mean, Rhaenyra and the succession is one of the biggest ones. And he's gonna fail it. Should have just kept his dick to himself. Yeah. I will say, at least he did remind everyone at this wedding that she's going to be queen. I was like, one point for you. <sighs> I was so giddy when Maylees and Sea Smoke were swooping across the screen. Maylees especially, because Maylees was so red. So red. Oh my god, so beautiful and wonderful and red. Yeah. Instead of terrible. I get it. Yes, uh-huh. indeed. Uh-huh. I loved this as a show of power that they arrive on their dragons, right, to the wedding ceremony. First of all, they're Valerians, and they're Valerians with dragons. So if you're going to marry a Targaryen, you kind of have to show up on a dragon. Yeah. But at that same token, it makes me think about Viserys being confined to a carriage, right? That he no longer is a dragon rider, and he really couldn't be going everywhere because of his health. So he's arriving by boat and carriage. 
Rhaenyra in turn also does that. Oh. Uh, she has not ridden Syrax since what? Episode two? That's such a great point. So she's being held back by Viserys in more than one way. Uh, but she hasn't even been riding her dragon that we've seen in a while. You know, it's not unlike the end when she doesn't ride her dragon. She keeps her dragon chained up in the dragon pit. Yeah, absolutely. So we haven't really seen, I think, Rhaenyra in full bloom yet. Mm-mm. Peak Rhaenyra is coming with, absolutely. I think, aged up Rhaenyra with Emma D'Arcy. <laughs> True. Peak True. Rhaenyra. I cannot wait. The drama. Absolutely. Ugh, I am sad to say goodbye to these actors, um, but I'm, yeah. I think it's, I think this is good. I'm hoping this is going to be a great launch pad for their careers. It sounds like they're trying to be smart about it, so. I, I'm, I am going to miss them, but I'm looking forward to the rest of how things play out, especially as we start with, uh, kick things off with a little ballroom blitz at the lavender wedding. Thank it you. is a lavender wedding. And it is a ballroom blitz. It is. It literally, it's ballroom blitz. It's, I was like, oh god. It, it's not great. And the quick ceremony, the shotgun Aww. ceremony in the dead of night. So sad. Um, Jason Lannister can go shave his back now. <laughs> I hate him. He's literally the worst. Like, oh my god, I'm sure Viserys is like, I can't believe I ever considered this guy as he like... He really thinks that he was still like a great catch. Just the fact that he had to go to the oldest joke in the book for Alicent, like, ah, oh, still getting ready. Though again, to that same token, she was. She was. She was, but she did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, she needed a dramatic entrance. And poor Gerald Royce, because he's here trying to cause drama, right? And he's like, uh, I'm here for a very important reason, because Rhea Royce died, and I'm here for Runestone. And everyone's like, that's great, but not now. Yeah, yeah. Rhaenyra actually gets cut off trying to be courteous to him, right? Uh, the speech, uh, the Valerians come in. And the great speech and and all the stuff is about to go down. But Gerald Royce gets cut off. Rhaenyra's saying to him, you know, like, Oh, my lord, we will provide whatever aid for Runestone that you... And she gets cut off. She doesn't even get to be good at doing her courtesy for the first yeah. time prom- unprompted. Yeah, it would have been really interesting because then I guess it would have cut off Damon too. Whatever happens there. That was what was interesting yeah. to me, too, that, like, specifically, Damon obviously is the cause for what happened at Runestone, and she doesn't know that yet. She wasn't there when that was discussed or brought up there with uh, Vis- with Viserys, Corleys, and Rainies necessarily. But she's out here like, what aid can we give you, Lord Royce? And Lord Royce is like, yeah, fuck your uncle. And she's like, oh, you want me to... You want me to fuck my uncle? <laughs> She's like, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, I, I also want to call out, I've seen people asking, why doesn't Kristen Cole have his helmet on? And I just want people to know, it's not that deep. It's just filming slash movie magic. Like, yeah, he probably would have had his helmet on. But he's important. You gotta keep that helmet off for him. You gotta show that baby face while you can. Well, the, his emotions are so important to what happens in the rest of this wedding and fucking ruining it. That, like, I'm sure they actually tried the scene with the helmet on. Maybe they didn't. And it just doesn't work because you do need his emotions to be evident and to drive what's going on. It, the only reason he's not wearing a helmet is so we can see it on camera. I love, otherwise, uh, the costuming is glorious, right? When the Valerians show up... The Valerians look super opulent in the black and gold. It's funny because later that will become Aegon's colors for his flag to reflect sunfire, the black and gold. 
but for here, they just want to show opulence. They want to show mm, that they look very yeah. grand, very rich, able to be wed to the royal house. And I also love Rhaenyra's dress. I like some of the little gold chain work on the shoulders mm-hmm. off of the collar, because in a way that also showed that she's chained into yeah. her dress, into her wedding dress. Uh, her braids were very excessive, very ridiculous, but I really loved the rubies in her hair. It reminded me of some of what Cersei does with rubies in the main series, or like her morning gown that looks like Rhaegar's armor. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's a really great, great comparison. And now that you've called out the chains in her hair, right? Most of the time that we see Rhaenyra's hair, it's usually much looser. Mm-hmm. So you're really seeing how this is a performance. Binding her. For her, yeah. Her hair has bound her, the ropes of her hair weighing her down. Absolutely. There's one, I mean, there's one real big show-stealing outfit that comes in, and it is not Damon's. No, Damon's is fine. He's wearing the same outfit from last episode. It's whatever. He could have washed it. He could have literally worn anything. He's like, I'm not wearing a suit. It's like he rolled up in jeans. Yeah, he rolled up in jeans. That's how much disrespect he had in his outfit when he came in. He really did, though. He was like, I'm bringing nothing but disrespect to this wedding and shenanigans. Yeah. But Allison's great gown. I mean, it's... It is a showstopper, and her choosing to wear the gown is interesting. Like we talked about, I think maybe I could have liked a little more time of Alicent becoming more Alicent. I think it's been such a good gradual change, but for some reason, here and showing how isolated she feels at the capital and seeing her uncle, seeing her uncle and seeing his wife and hearing, you know, oh, the high towers are still on your side and we support you, even though your father's now gone. I would have liked to see maybe just a little more ostracizing at court, right, of her feeling alone. I don't want her to suffer, but I would have just liked to feel that part more. However, great choice for the dress. Uh, Me and my husband were talking. He kind of thinks it's immersion breaking because it breaks the greens and the blacks. Like, it should have happened at the one dinner where they... But I think it works out fine because Alicent is embracing who she is and not trying to fit in with the red tart... She was wearing, like, off-color red Targaryen dresses, and they were just slightly different. And the fashion wasn't even fitting to any of the Targaryen women we've seen on the screen so far. Mm -hmm. So she was, like, trying so hard to force herself to thrive and fit in, not unlike that red flower blooming in the godswood. Mm. And, I mean, that isolation she's feeling, even the color doesn't look great on her. She's going all in on herself in this emerald, this color that is her, is her house is her emotions right now. And it really just does, like, fit her undertones and everything. It looks great on her. And, I mean, I think she's going to just keep wearing green dresses from here on out, so it doesn't matter if we start and introduce here based on what we've uh, seen of the trailers. I assume she just keeps wearing green. Yes, that's what we've seen. really into that, and it's kind of funny, right? Because as you were saying about Jason Lannister making fun of her, um, saying, you know, Oh, all these women, they're going to be, like, late to fighting battles in the war. And I'm like, Allison is the earliest one here to this battle. Like, this is, as as Larry's points out, right? What color does the high tower beacon change to when calling yeah, the banners whoa. for war? Yeah, and Harmon's, like, green. And I actually like that exchange between the two of them, because I think it's interesting based on what we see. You were talking about how they're a cohesive... House. They have banter, you know, mm-hmm. Larry's and Harwin, for them to have that, like, moment. But it could ju- it could have just been exposition that was convenient. I don't know. And then it also shows that, like, if Harwin's answering this so well and with that tone, I guess, I don't know, he's not a himbo. He seems he's, like he might actually be pretty smart. 
Yeah, he seems really smart. He's actually always there at opportune moments and chooses, not unlike his brother, Larry's, chooses like what things to stop, what things to do, what things to keep at. Like he comes across Rhaenyra on the streets. He could use that. He could go report it to the king. He could have been getting money for mm. reporting that, but he didn't. He chose to put that one under his belt till later. And even here, right? Under his belt? Yeah. You know what else he has under that belt? Under his belt. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Leave me alone. I love him a lot. But he knows when to choose his battles with Rhaenyra. He keeps tabs on her for his papa. Mm. You know, he's watching her. He dances with her and steps aside for Damon. Yeah. Doesn't he's- even pick a fight. He says, of course, my prince. Of, co- of course. And also he's like... He's confident. He's confident. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not threatened in like his desirability. He doesn't have to go out here and like prove anything. Don't worry. The girls know. They'll come yeah, for, we know. For Harwin. For we Bright all Bones. know. Everyone's like already making up, like putting Harwin on a pedestal. <laughs> and you know, I love it. I, I don't think we've seen some of these aspects of him yet in the show, but I will say people say that he eats out. And that's so true. I know it's true. Probably. I mean, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's not that it went to, I know it. Also, during that dance, you're, as you're discussing, there's this interesting little banter that I'm sure everyone like caught. Those puns about dancing not being that different from combat from mm-hmm. Lenore and Rhaenyra. And I'm like, oh, just like the dance Civil War. But also, I mean, this is not the only time that the series likens dancing and combat to one another. It happens a lot in the main five books, which is a the basis of my essay of about Sansa and dancing metaphors within her storyline. Oh, please read yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that was a good essay. I read that one. Thank you. I know you did. I've read all your essays. <laughs> I'm still waiting for some of yours. Okay, <laughs> bitch. How <laughs> oh can I nag her? Uh. Everyone is eye-fucking Rhaenyra, right? Jealously, sadly, lustily. I actually really love the shots of, like, Kristen Cole in one corner, Allison in another, Damon in another corner, all of them just eye-fucking Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Except for her own fiancé and Joffrey. Amazing. Totally amazing. Great. Um, other things that are amazing, speaking of eyes, are... <laughs> you were talking about when Gerald Royce comes up to Damon... And uh, it goes bad. He goes, jacuzzi, right? And I just love Lionel Strong's right here. He's like, his eyes every time, some sort of commotion. It always happens like right in front of him. And he's just like side eyes and he's like, oh, this is really happening right in front of me right now. Every time. <laughs> everything happens and he's just quiet every time, which is interesting. He's getting so much info. But also I just love his facial expressions, like signing like, what the fuck? This is happening right now, right in front of me. How interesting, but also like, oh my god. I love that Damon doesn't take any precaution. Like, immediately, he's like, interesting allegation that you just put against me. You know my my brother's the king and will kill you for that, though? Like, you know Mm. that I will get justice for your slander and your house? Um, Total dick, total dick. But he also says something along the lines of, my lady's wife death means that I, her husband, gets what she was due. And... I wonder if there's a little implication there for his character and Rhaenyra. Oh. You know, with the implication that if she dies, I take what's hers. Yeah. I do think that is uh, that is intimated in Fire and Blood, but we'll see. Because I know a lot of people have been seeing chemistry between Damon and Rhaenyra. And I think that's what's hard. It's hard to tell mm-hmm. what's real and what's not. And Perception. 
Yeah, that's a that's a big part of the series too. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it it will fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I um, agree. Not unlike the Kristen Cole thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it fell in the middle though. It really it did. did. It does. Yeah, absolutely. she instigated the sets in what yeah. they saw in this, and then he instigated the crybabying. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about Alan's Allison's instigating too in a second. I also speaking of facial expressions though. It's not just Lionel's. I do want to shout out Viserys's as he looks over and is like, why the fuck is this happening? This entire wedding. The whole wedding for him was just him looking around going, what the fuck? Like, when did my family devolve into this? Like, watching Damon and her basically not fuck, but like want to fuck on the dance floor. Watching Gerald come over and accuse Damon of murder that he totally maybe did. We don't know. I mean, it wasn't on a screen. I can't tell you if he murdered his wife or not, but... Yeah, I mean, people make fun of me for watching reality TV, but it is literally just like this. It, it is exactly it, like it this. It is exactly like this in terms of drama. It's not different. Poor Viserys, watching him eat, Yeah, that was really rough because he has no dexterity or mobility in his hands now that he's losing fingers and skin and, you know, he's sloughing off of his own body, basically off his skeleton. Yeah. It's pretty horrible. Watching him eat and trying to cut that food, though, was really hard. It was sad. Yeah, and I think it just kind of gets sadder. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. the trailer for next week, I was like, oh, damn, it's over. Yeah. It's I, over. I, I feel bad for him, but, I, you know, it's they've done this great job of doing this with a lot of the characters. You feel bad for them, but you're also like, this is kind of your fault. Yeah. <laughs> I literally fluctuate between those feelings about Viserys uh, like 10 times a day. 10 times know, a day. I know. I know. And I just, I think Patty Considine, he's just killing it. Joffrey telling Kristen, or hinting to Kristen, that they are going to share beds at different hours, not with one another. Um, It wasn't his best move. He was a little too trusting. He was too trusting. I don't read the scene as black. No, I didn't think it was blackmail. I, I read it as, yeah, like you said, trusting. I think Joffrey was trying to bond with yeah. a fellow co-worker who's in the same position as him like that's literally i think what it was i think you maybe needed to feel it out a little over a few weeks maybe maybe not here but either way i mean he doesn't fucking deserve to be hate crimes like that was horrible yeah, that no, death was, was terrible off oh, oh my god me and you on the couch both times <sighs> watching it it his, his sobs Oh, Laner's oh, sobs and just the, the whale the oh whale oh and then the shaky voice during the ceremony and backing up before the death for a second, back to the sexy for a second before we go back to death, because what is talking about death without talking about sex? Uh, in Dothraki culture, it seems like, yeah, you have to, right? This goes hand in hand, if you know what I mean. Damon and Rhaenyra making each other jealous all night. Very kinky, right? Uh, but earlier, what you said about Otto fil- with the self-fulfilling this prophecy that he made up about Rhaenyra and her children and Alicent's children... And Viserys' worries about Damon and everyone worrying about Damon kind of feels a lot like that, too. Obviously, they're standing there and they're like, oh, yeah, I dare you to take me to wife at Dragonstone. Oh, yeah, I dare you to fuck yeah. me. I dare you to dirty fuck me then. I bet you won't. Bet you won't. That's really what that scene was. Yeah. Uh, and beautiful in Valyrian. Also, Viserys' worries about Damon betting his daughter... And then, like, Alicent worried about Damon fucking Rhaenyra. And everyone's so worried about Damon fucking Rhaenyra. 
did they realize that they made it happen? That's kind of true. Yeah. Like, you guys did this. They yeah. weren't gonna fuck. I mean, we were really, so far, so good. Yeah, but everyone was so, I don't know, involved in their own stuff. And if Viserys had just, like, been a better brother. <laughs> or father. Both. Hmm. This could have been avoided. I really do think so. If Viserys was just another person, in general. Someone who had never been tested, perhaps. Oh. Uh, I also love in that exchange, though, her throwing back the marriage as a political arrangement in his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it felt Very so genius. good. So good. <sighs> that she was just like, I thought it was a political arrangement. And he's like, I just killed my wife. What do hmm. I know? Funny how on the dais, he's like... To Gerald. He's like, how dare you say this thing about me? And then he gets on the floor with Lena and he's like, yeah, fuck my wife. I didn't care about that broad. Yeah, but he didn't fuck his wife. Exactly. Exactly. He did not. During the actual ballroom blitz. It's, it's a ballroom blitz. (laughs) And I must say the music is banging through this whole thing. I love. Literally banging. uh, Literally. That first song when she dances with Lena is really sweet and beautiful. And her theme is actually mixed in with some strings, which it seems to be maybe part of Lena's theme or something of the Valerians. Yeah, I really liked that. After the dancing, though, when everything breaks out, after, obviously, Kristen Cole goes on a rampage, Harwin actually gets Rhaenyra to safety, which felt very Sansa and Sandor, a la Game of Thrones in some Mm -hmm. ways, with the the riot that breaks out. I I love that Harwin did carry her to safety, strong boy that he is. That was sweet. That was a good touch for, she'll remember that. And they dance during the wedding, and they seem to have good rapport. So these are all things that are going to prime us for them. Having three babies together next episode. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know, this might be something that I'm reading that isn't fair, but you talked about how Lionel just, like, tipped his head and Harwin did it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he was obedient in doing what needed to be done, and I don't know, I'm, like, projecting this idea of him at, like, Louisa from Encanto as, like, the, the eldest child and like carrying all this weight now too you know the surface the song surface pressure also during that that huge brawl i like that there is does seem to be care in a friendship between rainier and lenor because she calls out for him mm-hmm. you know that there, there i think is a friendship and so here's the part where i think chris and cole really failed his job as a king's guard which part this is like all of it yeah all of it for some all of it yes as you're right like a they ruined the wedding yeah. He ruined the fucking wedding. Uh, he hate-crimed Joffrey Lawmouth. Bullshit. Literally, the job is called Kingsguard, right? And during this kerfuffle, he strikes Lenor. Mm-hmm. That's the king consort, or future king consort. And I feel like that in and of itself should have prompted the other Kingsguard to step in on Kristen. Also, I mean, this whole brawl endangers Rhaenyra as well. Right? Like you see her knocked around on the ground. She gets hurt. She gets like, yes. slammed. Harwin saves her. The city watch. The gold. The head of the gold clothes. That's She's true. got a type. Every single thing he does is in violation of the literal only part of the oath that matters. Like, a lot of people don't give a shit if you fuck, okay? Kristen Cole... The point is you protect the king, you protect the royal family, you protect the queen. He endangers the heir, he strikes the future king. His crimes only ramp up, too. Yeah, but I'm just like, this is a literal failure of the job. The only thing that matters. And like, I don't know. You know Alicent is using her one hall pass to free him later, I guess. Like, I hope we see that or we get some sort of hint that Alicent is his savior in this because it seems she's going to be. I don't know either. Like, how did he not... How does he not get let go? 
That's that, exactly. That's why I don't understand. Yeah. How does he not let go when, again, he does the thing that is completely, again, in violation of being a king's guard. He yeah. is a king's endangerment. Anyway, um, then you of course have the scene. You do have that hate crime scene, right? Where he's taking his anger out on Joffrey Longmouth, and it's just so, it's just so unfair, right? And Joffrey did nothing to him. Literally, he was just trying to be friends. <laughs> He was literally just trying to be friends. I think he would have been like, oh, let's like, you know, mm-hmm. take shifts or whatever. And the way that it's filmed and the emotion with which he, I guess, pummels Joffrey is perhaps it's likely meant to be compared to and contrasted Rhaenyra killing the boar. But they are, they're, they're shot similarly. They have a similar feel, but they're different, right? Because mm-hmm. Rhaenyra killing the boar, I mean, that's not a person, right? And the boar did attack her. It was self-defense. Joffrey Longmouth, as you said, did nothing against Kristen Cole. Um, he was a person. And and I, maybe some people will see the boar as comparable, but I'm not a vegetarian and I love pulled pork. So Yeah, it's very different. It's and I would different. not eat Kristen Cole. I would not. I, I talk will... about cannibalism a lot, but I would not. Yeah, that's or one meal sorry, I don't Joffrey want. Longmouth. Oh, no, I'm, I'm talking about Kristen. Yeah, that makes sense. The actual boar is Joffrey. I don't see it as Joffrey, obviously. The one thing I will say... This is not in defense of Kristen Cole. Those words will never come out of my mouth. I wonder if he immediately saw it as a way of killing the rumor. How Literally. So, how so? Because, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Joffrey speaks to him and obviously knows he's fucking Rhaenyra. And if he immediately saw that as a threat, saw yeah. Joffrey Lawnmouth as a threat and saw this as securing the rumor, so now only Alicent knew. Because, I mean, it's gonna get out eventually. You know, or not. Who knows, but that's an interesting that's an interesting point. That's yeah. just an angle I was thinking about it, of the why. Like why did he commit this crime? Oh, he murdered this guy, probably because this guy knows that he's fucking. Yeah, I think it's a combination of I don't even think he knew in his head that he didn't want it mm-hmm. to come out because as you said, himbo's everywhere embarrassed. This is not a smart man. This man's fucking dumb. I mean we retracted his himbo card. I, no, literally, because himbos have to be, they have to be good. Yeah. That is actually part of the job description. Absolutely. It's that he just represents it existing at all. He mm-hmm. pummels Joffrey for being a manifestation, I guess, of of the rumor. Not trying to quell it, but just him trying to... Erase it? Uh, yes. Undo yes. it. Exactly, exactly. It's been done, buddy. I mean, you already did it. You already soiled your fucking cloak. And that fast. It only took you a couple years. Yeah, and it's remarkable that, I'm sorry, we're coming back to it, right? He's so concerned about his own honor, but not what could happen, I mean, to Rainier and her prospects, I guess. And doesn't connect that this is happening because they slept together, that this marriage is happening because of that. Yeah. The marriage itself, so the ceremony is moved up, right, due to all of this. And the marriage is put kind of right after Joffrey's death. You don't see it up close, the ceremony first, but you hear the music, and it's sad, it swells, there's a voiceover that is conducting the marriage and the ceremony. It's, of course, in the middle of the night, avoiding the drama. You don't see it right away, so to me it almost sounds like it should be a funeral, right? If you close your eyes and you hear them speaking, you imagine you're going to a funeral for Joffrey, you know, is where Laner probably should have been. I mean, that's what he should have been doing, is putting his partner to rest, but yet he's here doing his duty and both he and Rhaenyra are shaken up. They have tears in their eyes. 
it's really awful because he's forced to bear this and marry Rhaenyra, whose very wedding negotiations earlier kind of promised him safety in a way, right? Like, I am the queen to be. I can keep you safe. I should be the second most powerful person in our world right now. But she couldn't keep him safe. Her side of the negotiation was not equal to the side that he was giving up, right? Like, Mm. in this, she obviously mentions to him that she does not like the taste of goose because it's too greasy for her. She finds pussy too greasy. So I guess no canon gay Rhaenyra in this story. That's all right. I don't know. Her and Lena and Damon could have had threesomes. We just don't know. That side of what she had to give up, fucking Sir Kristen Cole, right? Like, that's not equal to what Lena has to hide and the lengths and what he risks in this marriage and treating it the way that she's treating it, right? It's just like, this is just, you know, we have to do business and then at night we get to fuck off and fuck. Uh, she's the queen. She's proto- supposed to protect him, right? Daenerys says it in A Clash of Kings to Jorah about how she was alone for so long and that Viserys should have protected her, but instead he scared her and hurt her and he shouldn't have done that. She says, he wasn't just my brother, he was my king. Why do gods make kings and queens if not to protect the ones who can't protect themselves? Mm. And you see it in her eyes. You see that pain. You see that she feels guilt. She knows that she didn't fulfill her side of their negotiation and their contract. And then you tell me that it took two whole kids until he was allowed to have a Joffrey. Fuck you. Yeah, well, apparently that was Corley's. Yeah, well, fuck Corley's. Fuck you, Corleys. Yeah, and he's a, yeah, I guess he's a wife guy, but uh, apparently, he's, I mean, he's just not supportive of his son, right? Like, that's a, that's a great call out that, like, because Fire and Blood tells us that he couldn't name his children after Joffrey because of Corleys and... Because people might know. <laughs> I mean, people might know, and that sucks. That, like, sucks. Like, yeah. everything that, like, there's a discussion around episode two of, like, the way Elena's being sold into this and duty and Corleys does it also. Mm-hmm. To right? Like, I think you can see kind of why they had to read Tywin's lines. Tywin does ask the same things of Jamie, and of, this is what he forces Tyrion to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. in Wedding Sansa. Cersei. Yeah, and Cersei, ab- absolutely, and Cersei, but, like, that's also kind of, as you said, well, not, it's also kind of like with Lena, and Rhaenyra doesn't protect him, she uses Lainor as her own shield instead. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I hope that, especially in this time jump for the next episode, I hope that stands out. I hope that, you know, she has learned from that, that Rhaenyra has taken that to heart, that part of the duty. And I think they do. Like, it really feels like their little weird polycool can come together, even briefly, until Laner dies. Yeah, I hope so. And I think that's a great point. Like, does this really drive home the stakes mm-hmm. that are here, right? Like, they don't get to feast and enjoy it. And that makes sense, right? How can they... How can they have a celebration when this man that their son loved died, right? And I think, I kind of wonder if they rushed the wedding not just because of that. A, to secure the alliance. B, I wonder if, what if Corleys and Rainies were afraid that Laner would back out in his grief and pushed him into mm, it. That's something. And not even just that, but I also wonder... I imagine dispelling rumors would have been very important in that moment, too. People, yeah, that's I mean, true. Great look, point. Great point. At the wedding, they were like nuzzling each other, which I'm all for, but Westeros is not all for. 
And the part where he also, you know, wails and dies and cradles his body. Yeah, it's important that he's seen marrying and going through the marriage at this time, and they can't draw it out. I mean, it's a nice see to him that they don't draw it out, because how could he go through seven fucking days knowing that the only reason he was going with this marriage was that the man that he loved would get to be his all the time? Yeah. How could he go on for seven days smiling at people? Fucking turnies and God, jousts. I can't. I can't imagine. How it. could I'm you do that? So I know it's horrible. It's so sad. Your only reason to fucking be alive in this world that persecutes you at every turn. It's just, yeah, it, it is tragic, right? They, they talk about how this season and this arc of the dance is a tragedy. And this is, there's many, there's so many small tragedies that make it up and that build up to it. And this is one of them. He thought he was going to have everything he wanted. Yeah, when the sun is set, no candle can replace it, except for Carl Corey, and that would be your downfall. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I just thought you were like, no candle can replace it, except for that one. Except for the oh next God. candle. Oh I mean, like... And that candle kills you, buddy. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Fuck, okay. Last thing regarding the shotgun wedding. Uh, A different type of shotgun. Yeah, yeah. At your exactly, head. Exactly, Is um Earlier, when they're negotiating their marriage, Rhaenyra promises Lenor that each of us dines as we see fit. And then we have this shot of after the wedding has cleared, when they're doing this small intimate ceremony now. Um, and it's of the ravaged meal, right? It's of the bones that have been picked apart, the food, the leftovers. Nothing's there that they can dine on. It's all just scraps fit only for crows. You have like the weird feathery thing hanging over mm. it all a feast for crows and the corpses of it and i didn't think about that with the feather centerpiece that's a good call yeah it literally is very feast for crowy because you know they're giving us an adaptation of that finally they are they are and yeah and that's what this feast is now it's been it's just the carnage right the pulpy meat of everything <clears throat> like yeah what? I, Inappropriate. No, no, I do think it's intentional. Right? I do too, I do. but don't remind me. It was yeah. so sad. And of course it does end right on that pool of blood. And I don't know. I pay a lot of attention. I think that the food is very significant in this series. I also think the food being half eaten showing like everyone had to go. They were like, well, this sucked. This yeah, wedding got kind of fucked absolutely. up. We, got, we gotta go. That's great. Yeah, but also the metaphors. Well, and to talk about metaphors, alongside this, I actually really like how this is staged. So alongside this horrible fucking forced ceremony late at night. Kristen is attempting suicide in the godswood with his sword, you know, dying a true soldier's death, going to commit seppuku in the godswood, in front of the gods. All the gods are yeah. seeing it, but he's stopped by Alicent. Mm. I'd like to read a quote from a poet, actually, right now. She was fearless and crazier than him. She was his queen. And God help anyone who dared to disrespect his queen. Oh my god. <laughs> what? Oh my god. I mean, it feels fitting. The fact that she comes upon him, she stops him from doing this. Yeah. And that's... She saved his life in his eyes, and she's going to probably save his life legally in other people's eyes, I'd imagine. Yeah, considering that he broke the one big rule that mattered. <laughs> King's Garden. And yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And so he feels like he owes her, like, she somehow, I guess, restores his honor. He has to have some mommy issues. Well, uh, yeah, and it's, I, uh, probably, right? I mean, who doesn't? Well, I do. he's fighting against the Dornish. Um, yeah. As a, and his mother's Dornish. Like, obviously, he's got that self-conflict. Um, 
But I don't know, Kristen, you give your people give themselves honor, you know, someone else can't do that for you externally. And I don't think he understands that like Rhaenyra can't give him his honor. Alicent can't give him his honor. Honor is something that you make for yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just like Ned Stark, he looked dishonorable in front of everyone, like he went against his king, but he did the honorable thing, right? Somehow that line was the honorable thing to protect his family and to protect John. I mean, honor's a horse. Honor is also a horse. Absolutely. Also, you know, there, there's something to discuss here. I know people have talked about it regarding Alicent now going like full tilt against Rhaenyra because what? Rhaenyra lied to her about having sex. If Rhaenyra can lie to her about the things that she once felt they were close enough to not lie about, which now there's a lot of power play going on. Of course, she's married to Viserys. Things are weird. They don't have the same relationship. Hell, earlier there's a very obvious disconnect when she calls her stepdaughter. You're no longer Rhaenyra, princess. That's a great point. stepdaughter. That's her taking what power she can to wield for herself and what defense she can. But if Rhaenyra is willing to lie about those things to her, I would say it would deepen the doubts sown by her father. I understand why Rhaenyra doesn't trust her because Mm -hmm. I see it in my opinion, the first person, maybe it's not a lie, but it is, you don't go around telling some, not telling someone, yo, I've been meeting up with your dad every night. Yeah, that is. I think that was the first shot. Don't, don't call my dad. Yeah. <laughs> don't call my dad. I have no intentions of calling your dad. Oh my god. Yeah. I just don't think that trust is living in that relationship anymore. I can understand why she did not any. think that uh, Allison deserved her trust when Allison, you know, showed that her loyalties, they don't lie with Rhaenyra in, in their friendship. They lie elsewhere. And uh, she's only proving that more, right? Like, and this is this is exactly right. The patriarchy tearing, as you've discussed, the tearing these two girls apart. But also, because Allison was like, got really weird about it. She got super weird about Rhaenyra having sex, and it is that internalized misogyny mm-hmm. that Rhaenyra gets to have everything. But I mean, she will. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts. We will see if Allison and Kristen don't have sex in this show on screen. I will be mighty surprised because the way that this is being painted to me is just like, she's going to have no one. Viserys is falling apart as we see in the trailer. She has no one and nothing. Not even her ladies really like her that much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of it is just auto tearing these girls apart and also Viserys because maybe you shouldn't have married your daughter's best friend. This Weirwood's getting a lot of play this, this is, season. Yeah, this is actually, this is the polycule and it is the worst one. I'd like a better polycule moving forward as we move forward in this season. I mean, she's the queen with nothing. She has no power and she's the queen and she fucking, you know, gave up her life to do so. To have this title with barely any power below it. And yet she's sitting here watching Rhaenyra in her eyes fuck it all away. Yeah. And the thing is, she could have. I mean, mm-hmm. Cersei did it. Oh, that, they did have her read Cersei's lines. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's actually, what she's doing. You yeah, know? She's, yeah. Uh, that's why I think she really will sleep with Kristen. Because, yeah, actually, yes. because she's going to see, like, well, if Rhaenyra doesn't have to play by the rules, why should I anymore? My sons should be king. I should have sex. I should yeah. make fuck fuck. Yeah. And in her jealousy of wanting the things that Rhaenyra has by continuing to prop up Aegon... 
as heir, she continues to solidify that no one, no woman will have that, um, hey. including herself, including herself. It's just like in Veep, the Amy and Selena fight, right? Like mm. Amy telling her, now we will have no more female presidents because you ruined it, Rhaenyra. And oh my god. <laughs> well, they do have that kind of friendship. They do. It is very Amy and Selena. Yeah, actually, literally, though. <sighs> the well, incompetence is staggering. Oh my god. The incompetence is staggering, though, in, this, in the rulers in this show. Uh, it only gets even more staggering. Uh, the series, the the episode ends, and then we have a trailer that yeah. is not at the end of this episode, and he had to go find separately because HBO did not tack it on. It was really weird. I'm like, you've done it right for four episodes, and suddenly you didn't have the behind the scenes and the trailer. I'm hurt. Right after the episode, I'd like to speak to HBO it's personally. Up. They can call me. It's they up. can call me. I'll leave my phone number for you below. Uh, the trailer. Is a blast. Uh, it's the age up, right? So goodbye, Millie. Goodbye, Emily. You were amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. You were amazing. They were amazing at playing Rhaenyra and Alicent and making us feel something or care about these little relationships that weren't really built up. I really appreciated it and I think it enriched the show for the better. But I'm also really looking forward to Olivia Cook and Emma D'Arcy. Yes. That's going to be as much as I love the nuance and the depth that has been brought to Allison's character and to Rhaenyra and Allison's friendship and to Viserys' character. I'm really ready for the fighting to start. Yeah. I'm sitting here with popcorn like, when are the girls going to fight? I'm ready. I'm ready for the pettiness. I want dragons snapping across the screen at one another. You know, like they say in Fire and Blood would happen when one of the parties would show up, that the dragons could feel the energy and they'd be like roaring and hissing at one another. I'm ready for the drama. Yeah, and it seems like there's going to be a lot of dragons next episode based on the trailer, Um, but also in regards to that fighting and the petty. Interestingly, you know, Allison's going to be in the small council room, so Mm -hmm. uh, that'll be fun. That clip is interesting because Rhaenyra, you can already see Rhaenyra and Alicent's pettiness back and forth, the snipping, Rhaenyra correcting something she says and being like, my queen. They're both in the council. Um, It's gloves are going to come off. Yeah, absolutely. Dresses are going to come on. Yeah. Wear your finest black and green. Yeah, she's going to keep wearing her green and we do see Alicent become more of a player and... Active. Yeah, she yeah. she seems to really, I mean, that's the thing is, she's taking that active role for herself. She's stepping in because she doesn't, I mean, she also has watched Rhaenyra be sidelined these last few that's years. That's true, yeah. She doesn't want that for herself. And she's, she's isolated, right? Now mm-hmm. she's unsafe and she's, it, it makes sense, right? She's trying to hedge her bets and create her own safety. And, I, you know, Rhaenyra would be wise to do the same, especially after the, the warning that came this wedding that you... This is not safe. This is not enough of an alliance. And we do see Laner in, in the trailer spot, right? We see Laner with the babies and her. It looks like they're in front of a castle of sorts. I'm guessing King's Landing or maybe somewhere else. Um, I, I'm excited to see a little more Laner. We get Lena, a new actress for Lena, mm-hmm. a third actress, the third head of the dragon. Uh, and, and actually the third, one of the three heads of the dragon. Literally. Yeah, literally. 
she and Damon. I'm excited to see what goes on with that wedding of theirs and Pentos. It looks like we might oh see yeah Pentos. I think we see it in the trailer very briefly. Interesting. Yeah. And we'll see Vagar, of course. She's nice and beautiful and old. Excited. Yeah, Excited. and big. She's real big. Real big girl. And uh, Harwin. We see Harwin and yeah. Kristen going at it. And Harwin decking Kristen, which I personally Good. can't wait for. I'm happy for him. Uh, and also Lionel gets a haircut. Lionel does get a haircut. He's looking kind of like a little fuzzy baby bird. And I love it. Yeah, he's older. He's, he's older. older. Um, Viserys, God bless. Also, wow. hair is different too. He is... Yeah, he's not got a lot of it on top of his head anymore. It's part gone, and the leprosy is really making its way through him, and he is not great, and he doesn't look great. Not he great. looks bad. Things look bad Things for look Viserys. bad for oh, him. Oh, Aegon too. We saw uh, yeah, he Aegon has too. a lot of hair. Yeah, Ty Tennant, David Tennant's kid. Wild. That's insane. Wild. That's yeah. so insane. The Doctor Who universe is clashing <laughs> again twice. Yeah, his wig is insane, and I will say, if you watch some of the earlier trailers, you might remember you see Alicent telling someone, couldn't figure out who it is, that, you know, they need to rule the Iron Throne, that she'll kill them and their siblings, if not, and I'm pretty sure that's Aegon. It's curly, blonde, long hair that you can see in the shot, and that's it. And now I'm like, oh, it must be Aegon. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she just, like, takes everything that her dad said and decides it's all true about Rhaenyra just because of the one thing being true. Mm Mm-hmm. I really don't think Rhaenyra was going to kill those kids until, you know. But you know what? Fuck them kids. Absolutely. I think, well, I think she should have killed them. Oh my kill god. Aegon too. Sorry. God. Kill Aemond. What? Jesus. Don't kill children. Uh, lots in the trailer. I slowed it down, watched it a couple times, and I feasted gloriously. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait another six days. Yeah, every single time this happens, I'm like, holy shit, I have to wait so long. <laughs> so I'm, like, long. so excited on Sunday. I'm so excited after the episode happens, and then it sinks in that I'm like, oh, I have to wait. <sighs> and so you will have to wait, too, dear listeners. Another week to hear from us until next week's episode, which I think is the princess and the queen. Well, also, that's not true, because we are much more generous. They don't have to wait a week for to hear us again. You can tune in also to our coverage of the main book series. Yeah, we'll be covering Bran in A Game of Thrones for the next few weeks, and we'll move on to A Clash of Kings afterwards. We would love to have you come listen in. And of course, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, if you have any thoughts, you can hit us up on social media at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N. Or you can also send us an email, as some folks have, at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to us on a podcast streaming platform near you, whether that's Amazon Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Pandora, you name it, we're on there. Yes. And, of course, you can always find us on Patreon, where patrons in The Stranger Tier and Above get bonus episodes each month. This month will be Mothers of the Dragon Part 2, covering Queen Alisanne. The Ultimate MILF. The Ultimate MILF. And then we also have Discord access for patrons in the Thunder tier and above. $10 and up. Yeah, for $10 and up, you get access to weekly House of the Dragon discussions in the voice chat with our friend Maddie hosting it. 
as well as access to a monthly brunch slash happy hour where we hang out, talk, sometimes we play games, chat about the show always, and we'll be announcing next month's date soon enough, so stay tuned. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back next week. Dragon noises. Yeah, after seven days of feasting and celebrating. (laughs) I I don't know. I gotta work on it. We gotta practice our dragon noises. Maybe next week. Maybe next (laughs) week. Goodbye. Bye.